When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Son of Slovenia, cool as hell He scores the ball and he rebounds well Don't fight the future, here comes Luca Even losses feel like wins When you're with your good friend Tim It's 77 minutes in heaven this is 77 Minutes, the Dallas Mavericks podcast, part of the Athletic Podcast Network. The only Mavericks podcast that always has enough ball handlers. I'm Tim Cato. I write and talk about the Mavericks. We've got D Magazine's Mike Bellucci. We've got Austin Gurria from Dime Mag. And D Magazine. Represented and D Magazine. Could be writing some Cowboys for us this week, matter of fact. Absolutely. It's time. The Mavericks signed uh, Facundo Campazzo uh, today. Uh, we reported it at the athletic and basically, you know, I, I guess the big question is like, I, I see him taking Trey Burke's role. He is the backup point guard when the team just doesn't have other options. He's not being signed to be an every game rotation player, but as we've talked about all summer, there was a need for when Spencer Dinwiddie and Luka Doncic miss games. It, it doesn't feel exactly like Goran Dragic or Campazzo was the option because Dragic saw his role clearly as an every game rotation player. And I guess, I guess the big question is like, did the Mavericks need, should, should they have been looking for a veteran who could fill in every goal, uh, every game role, or is it okay that really what Campazzo should be for this team is purely, you know, this emergency uh, fill in for injuries sort of role. If he's something more than that, then I have real uh, questions about this signing. But I don't think that's like the expectation. And it really just comes down to for a backup emergency might be a stretch. But for, you know, a backup guard, does this signing make sense for a, you know, for a player that got, you know, was, you know, the team, a a playoff team, a, a contender by all stretches of the imagination in Denver decided, nah. Nah, we don't need him back. And so the Mavericks now have him as the option. What do y'all think? I mean, to answer your first question, right, about did the Mavericks need something more, I think that comes back to opportunity cost. If, you know, the cost to get something more of a veteran who knew what he was doing was, I don't know, paying to get Mike Conley, then no, that wouldn't have made sense. Would it have made sense to give Goran Dragic a real role? I do believe that. And I do believe that, you know, it's it's funny seeing the reactions on social media about this because there's some people who are very really whipped it, you know, whipped up about the Composo signing. And it's like, this is aggressively fine. My theory about this, and I tweeted this, but like, I don't think a lot of the people who don't like this, if the Mavericks weren't exposed to a year and a half of will they, won't they with Drogic, I, you know, I don't think anybody really cares about the Composo thing, but I think there's become this false equivalency going around of, you know, who else was a mid thirties point guard that's friends with Luka Doncic that you could have signed. And then as a result, they're conflating this move with more than what it should be. Because like you said, it's if this is a guy who's on the head of the bench, who can capably 
move the ball around a bit in a pinch. Shouldn't be leaning on him, but if you need somebody to put out a fire, he can do that. Luca likes him. Sure, fine. Whatever. There's no risk. There's no real downside, I think. Um, so yeah, it's fine. It's really the most interesting parts about Campazzo are probably just what people are trying to make this into versus what it actually is. Yeah, I agree. This is a fine signing. They needed an adult to play point guard when Luca and Spencer aren't available and they didn't have that on the roster. I think personally, from a selfish standpoint, he's going to make garbage time much more pleasant to watch. But that's really what he'll be playing is garbage time and those occasional Trey Burke minutes where Luca's out or Spencer's out or <laughs> that game they had last year where all three point guards got five fouls in the first half and they had to play oh, Trey man. Burke. <laughs> and then Trey Burke picked up his fifth picked foul in like fouls. five minutes too, yeah. So he's not going to play a lot. He he knows how to play point. They just did not have a third point guard on this team. They had a lot of guys who would like to theoretically be a point guard or who they could hope to be a point guard, but they did not have a third legitimate NBA point guard. And Compazzo is, he's a good point guard. He's just not a guy you want to be playing 25 minutes a night. And as long as that's not the case, it's a great signing. I think all the hand-wringing about it is pretty, it's not really that useful because it's, it's not, if, if he's, if he's impactful or if he's important at any point during the season, then something's gone horribly wrong. I mean, there's a really good chance he's a below-average NBA player. Um, but that's what you're going to be signing for the type of role that they're signing him for. At this time of year. I, right, yeah. right. And there are other options. Uh, you know, Kimbo Walker just got waived. But theoretically, Campazzo also fits the identity of the Mavericks better as a pesky defender and, you know, who is undersized, but makes up for that, you know, like, like that is the core of this identity is that, yeah. you know, the Mavericks just aren't signing, you know, bad defensive players, um, unless the offensive upside is all the way up, you know, they don't, they don't bring, you know, they don't use eighth and ninth men in their rotation, you know, Tim Hardaway Jr. excluded, um, you know, with his role being established on this team, they aren't going out and looking for, you know, players that are defensive liabilities. I could see that's why, you know, potentially they just weren't interested in Dragic. Um, I, I don't know if Goran Dragic is going to be an above average NBA player next season. I think there's a really good chance he is not. Um, I think Dragic will be a better player than Campazzo. But when you look at the context of the role and you know, just what the Mavericks were looking for out of it. It makes sense. I'm not sure I agree, like you said, Mike, but it, it makes sense to me, um, you know, or at least has a logic and a rhythm behind it. Yeah, if nothing else, you know, I think the key isn't even plus or minus defenders because, you know, you can poke holes in Compasso's actual end product, but they're definitely going to say low effort defenders is the key, right? And that's how this whole system is built. It's built on buy-in and it's built on investment. And Compasso will do that. He will be culturally what you want your 15th guy to be. And that matters. That's better framing. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's that's the right way to look at it. I agree. I'm not trying to, you know, he, he tries to, you know, he works his ass off defensively and... You know, that like like you said, that's the identity. That's that's really where the Mavericks are. And I just, you know, like he's not gonna play more than forty games unless no. catastrophe happens. Yeah, no. It's fine. People are getting too worked up about this. Even yeah. forty feels high, honestly. Yeah. I mean, that's about what Trey Burke had last year. Uh, fewer, I think. Um, you know, when you factor out, you know, exclusively garbage time minutes and things things of that sort. So I think that's all we need to talk about him. This is this is uh this is not a uh, emergency pod for uh, Campazo <laughs> whatsoever. 
you know, this is this is just a little little news check in. Tim, why do you hate um, Argentinians? Yeah, Tim. Man. Give them the respect I, they deserve. Do you not remember the 2004 Olympics? They'll humble you if you don't if you don't respect them. I I was born in 2005, so I do not. So I actually believe that. That's that's tough. <laughs> <laughs> so let's preview the season a little bit. With uh, I, I'm just going to toss out some over unders. You know, obviously we have uh, the Mavericks opening their season in Phoenix on Wednesday. That is coming up, and this is pretty much the last chance to talk. You know, without any, you know, without any uh, biases or, or you know, just just our last chance to get some some predictions out there to get some, you know, expectations, uh, you know, before actual games start framing our expectation, you know, our, our real expectations for this team. So I have some over unders and I went ahead and set the over unders kind of where I feel them at. Um, more than happy to, for you guys to push back if you think the over under is in the wrong place. But let's start with Spencer Dinwiddie and how many games he starts. And I think a good over-under for that is 49.5. I'll go over. Um, yeah. I, that, you know, over with the caveat of they'll do some staggering to where this will not feel like the starting backcourt for a lot of games until the fourth quarter. But I think I think it's telling that we had a will-they-won't-they they already with, oh, is Spencer going to start? Yes. Spencer not going to start? Oh, now he's coming off the bench. Oh, we're back to Spencer starting. And it happened very quickly. And I think it... It tells you two things. One, Jason Kidd is willing to be flexible in his opinions. But two, uh, if he's not convicted about something, he's not going to stick with it. I I think there's a part of Jason that wants Spencer to come off the bench, right? I think that's a safe thing to say. You don't go back on your initial ideas of Spencer starting midway through preseason if you are not buying that there's some party that thinks this will work better if he's off the bench. But I think right now, looking at his personnel, he believes that that's his best move is for Spencer to start. And until there's a proven alternative or a better alternative, and considering those better alternatives are one of, you know, what, uh, two young guards who don't have a ton of NBA minutes between them stepping up and forcing the way into the starting lineup, I just don't think Jason's going to abandon that. So I think we'll have a lot of Spencers in the starting lineup for most of the year. And and to be fair, you know, I think think that quote, carried a little further than what it was actually meant uh in, in full context uh i think spencer coming off the bench in preseason is is interesting but but i do think it was more about you know just the idea that he will be spending a lot of time on the court with second uh you know second unit players even if um you know he's still locked in to start the year but that's what this over under is basically it's asking does at any point uh, Jason Kidd decide for an extended stretch to try starting lineups that don't involve Dinwiddie. And so the over under that, you know, whichever way you feel lean on that, you're going to go over 49.5 or under. Yeah, I think I'm going to take the under on this just slightly. I think he starts maybe 40 to 45 games. I think between missed games that you'll have, I think he'll play maybe 65 to 70 games. And I think Kidd will experiment enough with the starting lineup. And I think eventually, at the end of the season, Spencer will be coming off the bench once Kid finds the exact lineup that he likes to start. And so I think he'll start the majority of the first half of the season. But as we go into the second half of the season, I think Kid will kind of find the lineup that he really wants to start. I think I'll go under as well. Uh, I, I could see it going either way. And I, I think the one X factor, if you will, the, the, the one thing to, to watch is whether the Mavericks do make a trade for a, you know, a more veteran guard that they do see having in every, you know, a rotation role uh, from a bunch of these teams who are going into the, uh, the Wimby sweepstakes and all of a sudden decide, well, we just need this player off our team, even if it's not for a first round pick because they're making us too good. 
I think that's a real possibility, but we'll have to see. Over under 19.5 starts for Christian Wood. Is that too low? Let's start there. Oh, I'm going under. <laughs> I've been on this. I've been on this the entire. He does. He's not going to be a starter this season. I just. I don't. I don't think he's going to be a starter. I think Kid likes that starting group. I think the only thing that he's looking at is possibly replacing Dinwiddie. I just. I. I just don't see him as a starter this year. I think he's going to be a great six man. But I think Kid likes starting with Bullock and Finney Smith and Javale and staying a defensive tone and knowing that the rotation is going to be crisp to start the game. Um, and I, even if Christian would play incredible, which I think he's going to have a really good season, I st- even when he plays incredible, I still think his fit is better off the bench than with that starting unit. I'll go a slight over because for some of the reasons of what Austin brought up with uh, with Dinwiddie, right? Namely the injury card. You know, Maxie's not been the picture of health in recent years. JaVale McGee is 34 years old. Uh, that's before the occasional, is there a one-off night where Jason likes the match but wants Christian to come out in the starting lineup? I could see this turning into, I don't know, 22, 23 starts. I, I don't think this is going to be a break last in case of emergency thing, especially because, you know, this is the X factor. We're not there in the room. We don't know how much this motivates Christian Wood, right? What if this is a, over the course of a very long season, if throwing him the occasional start is something that helps keep him engaged? We just don't know. And so I'm inclined to think that there are enough variables that all it takes is a couple of them to find ways to get him into the starting lineup, even for a bit, not as a permanent solution, but as, you know, enough to where if, if the over-under is 19 and a half, I'll play, I'll take the points, so to speak, and I'll take the over. Yeah, and that's why that's why I put it there, because, look, he's going to start games. Um, I, I think the other reason I'd go over, or I, I would go under, um, which I guess I didn't say that, I, I would take the under on this. I don't, I think he pairs much better with Maxi if he's going to have an, if he's going to be paired with a big man than he does McGee. You know, so much of Wood's value is getting that dual popping and rolling and, and the flexibility of those two things. And you just can't really have him doing that, um, you know, if, he, if he's sharing the floor with McGee, who is going to be the dedicated roller. Um, now, maybe McGee just becomes a uh, elite corner three-point shooter. I believe. Uh, we've got I one be- coming up about that. But <laughs> I, I just I just think that it, it makes more sense. And, and the bigger question is is how much he closes. And I don't know how to do an over-under that, that kind of measures that. But I, I, think, I think this all comes down to is he playing starters and closers minutes uh, for Christian Wood. And unless it's, you know, unless it's something that really affects his, his play and is his attitude towards the season, him starting just does you know it isn't necessary and and it does make sense for him to come off the bench so let's do uh who plays more minutes josh green or Jaden hardy and frank nilakina combined (laughs) (laughs) oh man that's that's a good one that's the best one yet there's a there's a few there's a few things going on here um you know, yeah. you, you could just make it about a. I think Josh Green is clearly going to get more minutes than Frank Nilakina. I'm not sure he's the better player, but I've said this on the spot, you know, a couple of weeks ago that the team is more incentivized to play their younger, you know, better prospect over a proven vet who's more or less in the same place uh, in terms of game impact. But if you also want to throw in Jaden Hardy, you know, I think in some ways this question kind of comes down to. Do you think Jaden Hardy gets any run of games? Do you think that he has a stretch where he's, uh, you know, maybe a 10 game stretch where he plays 20, uh, 20 a night. And even if he goes back to the G League after that, you know, that would be a substantial, sizable outcome. 
that would also, you know, impact if Green and, and Nilakina's minutes end up, you know, close-ish. You're asking me to pick between my two agendas this season, which is that Jaden Hardy does <laughs> become a rotation player and also Josh Green becomes a more bigger staple of the rotation. I think I think I'll say Josh Green plays more minutes. I think he finds a lot of space to play in this offense. And I think if there's an in, especially if there's an injury to like Bullock or Hardaway at any point in the season, he, Josh will play a lot this season. And so I, I, and I honestly don't think Frank is going to play that much. I just, I'm not super high on him playing a lot this year. I think he's going to get kind of a little lost in rotation and there'll be more, I think there'll be more reasons for a kid to play Hardy in a lot of games than for him to play Frank and a lot more situations that call for that. Um, so yeah, I'm going to take Josh Green here, but that's by a, just a sliver. I, it's very, very difficult. Yeah, that's kind of where I'm at too. I'm going to agree with Austin um, and not be contrarian on this one. Because the other the other X factor too, right, is who of these three players is Campazzo most likely to cut into their minutes? It's not Josh Green. It's the other two. Uh, and who's to say that, you know, I, I think we, we haven't had a large enough sample with Jason to know if he's the sort who's going to, you know, lean towards the old crusty veteran over the young player yet. I just don't think we know one way or the other, but I certainly don't think it's outside the realm of possibility where Jason says, okay, well, I just, party isn't ready yet. Let's go with, you know, let's go with Campazzo or look, we know ball handling is an issue. Uh, if it's a break glass, break glass in case of emergency, emergency thing, and they don't trust Frank to handle the ball, get Campazzo out there. And I just think there's in a world where we know that green is going to get the most minutes out of those three players and that the new guy on the roster who if he's going to chew in anybody's minutes it isn't going to be his i just think there are enough variables that i would just feel more comfortable saying that green gets more aggregate minutes of the year luca's best scoring game this season you know in, in an individual game is it over or under 53.5 points which is to say at the end of the season does he have the mavericks all-time <laughs> single game scoring? you didn't answer your own over under do what? He, he yeah, didn't, didn't answer, answer the last one. one. Is, is Josh Green order? playing more? I would or not? go. I would go Josh Green. Okay. I, I would. I, I think Josh Green is the the safer choice. So we're three for three. Wow, solidarity on the podcast. Yeah, absolutely, man. Oh, over under fifty three. I'm taking the over. I think there's a game this year that Luca just goes nuclear, just absolutely nuclear. It goes for sixty. Hmm. Hits all of his threes. Getting into the lane, he he was he had some crazy scoring games last year. Once he got into a groove in February, right, right. I and I think now that he's in shape for there'll be more <laughs> opportunities for him to get into a crazy groove. And they kind of need him to like score a lot. There's not as many opportunities for the ball to be taken out of his hands. So I'm going to say over. I'll go under, but it's going to be close. Like there's going to be, I'll say I think there's two 50 point games this year. I think I, I I will I will put that out there. I think he's going to go for fifty twice. I don't know if it's going to be the single biggest number in the history of the franchise, but at this point, I, I, nothing would surprise me with him, given how optimistic I think we all feel uh, about where he's going to the season right now. There, there, this, you know, the ceiling is the roof. To quote, uh, to quote another mythical Mavericks podcast uh, that may or may not exist because we're actually the only Mavericks podcast. So I wouldn't be shocked. I don't think he gets there. I do think he comes close. I'm actually really tempted to pick under because when Luca gets off to a really hot scoring start, he just, it doesn't change the way he plays. And right. I mean, I can't remember how many times he's had 30, you know, like 30 at half and, you know, finishes with 41 or something. But 
I'm gonna say over. I, th- I think he. I think he breaks the, the the record. I think he he has a cool like 50, 55, 56 point game, and yeah, that would surpass Dirk Nowitzki, uh, who currently holds it at fifty three. So, I love this hypothetical. Um, it was first said uh, by Katia on at Studio Forty One when uh, me and Austin made an appearance. Um, that's not a podcast. It's a it's a live show. Um, it, I mean, it is, a it's, podcast, a, it's a lifestyle, Tim. Studio 41. It's a lifestyle. There <laughs> it's just, it is. There it lifestyle. is. You know, it's a vibe. Yeah. It's a vibe. yeah, yeah. More Luca dunks or JaVale made threes. Hmm. I really love this question. How many, how many JaVale threes were there last year? I believe he has, um, I want to say he has like 17 on his career. Yeah. I'll go Luca dunks. Luca's in really good shape. Luca's explosive. We, we, you know, we see them from time to time. I, I, you know, especially if we're sitting here going, oh, he'll set the franchise record. He, that means he's going to be aggressive in scoring. We'll get more Luca Ducks than JaVale threes. I'll, I'll put it there on the younger guy. McGee actually only went two of nine last season. He is 12 of 66 for his career, but okay. Does so so does Luca dunk yeah. three times this year? I'm going to go with Luca's dunks. I could see McGee getting up to seven, eight, nine. But I think, you know, it's 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 uh, the idea that Luca in shape, healthy is not going to be at least at double digits, you know, seems unlikely. Yeah, I agree. Luca dunks, even though I want to say Javilla threes, because I think he's going to get them. He's going to launch them this season. But he was it should have been three point attempts. Honestly, on it. Yeah, that. Yeah, that's a good one. Yeah, that's better. Yeah. Because Luca was dunking it a lot at Eurobasket. Right. I was like, okay. I think he's going to I think he's going to get a lot of good dunks this year. Yeah. Yeah. I'll yeah, I'll, I would go over on Javel attempted threes. I think he I think he launches like 25 of them. But uh if it's made threes, How many of them yeah, are they, good attempted threes is the real question. I mean, they should all be wide open. <laughs> Hopefully. Yeah. <laughs> no step backs. <laughs> yeah, but wait, well, for let's... for Javel threes, I think we need like nobody within 3 steps of a minimum. Maybe four to five. That's that's a that's a we're grading on a curve with good Javale three attempts. He has he has more attempts in preseason than Luca has dunks. I'll say that. Mm. Yeah. Well, let's close this out with uh, the most classic over under. I don't think the Mavericks over under as set by Vegas when it comes to wins. I think it's a little low for me. So I bumped it up a little bit. Okay. Over under fifty point five wins for this team. Ooh, that's a good one. Vegas has them at 48.5. And I think I'd we all be, yeah, I go, over I, I would go yeah. over. Yeah. I think, I think the one way, you know, I kind of schemed out some scenarios where I could see the Mavericks having uh, fewer wins than that, but I think they require several different things going wrong and some, you know, real uh, misfortune when it comes to not just injuries, like, you know, typical, I'm not t- talking c- catastrophic injuries, but just bad injury luck. That's the thing that happens players miss two or three weeks and if you get the right you know the wrong players missing at the wrong time you know all of a sudden that that could turn into a a pretty lousy stretch for for any team but i'm pretty confident that this team is going to be when you know i think their floor with luca largely healthy for an entire season is got to be at least like 45 46 wins yeah and so what's the what's the actual number if 50.5 the one i am presenting to y'all is yeah. 50.5 yeah i've got the mavs at 51 wins 
personally. So I would take the over. I'm going to go the over as well. I mean, we're... Look, we saw Dirk Nowitzki do this for, what, a decade, was it? A 50-plus, you know, wins each year. Uh, yeah. When you get yeah. to that sphere and you're that good, uh, you just you win 50 games a year. As long as your supporting cast isn't horrendous. And even then, there was that one year where Antoine Wright was starting a ton of games with Dirk, and they still found a way to, you know, put up a bunch of wins. Uh, the two Antoines. Yeah. Well, no, no, no. That 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 was that was not that year. I'm talking. Oh, about Antoine Wright. The Antoine yeah. Wright. Yeah. Another. The, so many. The, the third the, Antoine. The third. The distant third Antoine. I heard Walker the, in my head. No, I didn't. They, I think they won 50 that year. That was they, the year they, they lost to Denver in they, the Crystal yeah. Taylor series. They. Ooh, yeah, I think 50 on the dot. 50 on the dot. 50. I'm looking at it right now. So, you know, Dirk would get 50 wins a year with supporting casts like that. What we were basically saying if you are believing what I'm believing is that Luca is in that sphere. He is that sort of superstar. That's just automatic 50, no matter how good the West is, as long as he is healthy and the supporting cast isn't horrendous. And I think all of that is true, right? I mean, all bets are off if Luca gets hurt, you know, you can knock on wood and, you know, sacrifice to whatever voodoo gods you'd like, but if he's healthy, uh, I think he's winning. Yeah. I think you can win 51 games with this team. Even if we all agree that there's still a ways to go before they're a genuine title contender. Yeah, I'll I'll have to take the over on this, but it's very close. I think they're going to win 51, 52 games, so it could easily go under if Luka misses any time. But yeah, I think Luka's just, he's just the ultimate floor raiser in the NBA, maybe more than almost any other NBA superstar. You're just, it's pretty hard to be bad when he's playing basketball games. And that's right. been shown throughout his entire career. As long as he's playing, they're good. And he's also in shape and just ready to go and energize for the season. Um, so as long as he's healthy, like... I, they, that their floor is basically 50 wins. Right. And in this Western Conference, 50 wins might be a six seed. Yeah, yeah. that that is also yeah. in play here. Um, but I think there's enough bad teams in the Western Conference that the overall talent improvement, you know, league wide, you know, with a bunch of injured, uh, you know, injured players coming back, a bunch of teams uh, coalescing in a way that they didn't last season. I still think Luca is good enough to smooth that out, especially when you consider the team shouldn't have the slow start that we saw last season. Um, consider all that, and I've I've got him over fifty. I've got him at fifty-one, like I said. So, I mean, here's the real question: What number of wins do they have to hit for you to say that he's the MVP? I think if they're over fifty, then I feel good about him being, you know. Only, only would only be surpassed by like another truly dominant MVP campaign. In case you know, like if if Philly goes for sixty yeah, wins, yeah, then I think it's Embiid. But otherwise, I'm I'm feeling good about Luca. I think it has to be fifty five. That was my number. I think fifty five. Yeah. He's there at fifty five. Whatever seed you are at that point, you're just a good basketball team, and no one can take that from you, even if it's a crowded West. Um, but I think, yeah, he's going to have to compete with Embiid. I think he's going to have to compete with Giannis, really, uh, for that MVP. And I think both of those teams are going to rack up a lot of wins. Yeah. On that note, we're going to get out of here. i got the cops coming for me, apparently. So the, the takes are too hot. We'll be back uh, Thursday after the Maverick season opener. Thanks for listening. We'll see ya. He plays Fortnite just like me. I am 34. Don't fight the future, honey. Don't fight the future. The future is Luca, big dick Donchich from the home of Melania Trump. How many kids you hit? Don't fight the future.
future It tears me apart Don't fight the future Please be nice to Luca Future four-time MVP Oh my God! Oh! Shut it down! Oh Let's go home! <laughs> it's a wrap, huh? Yeah, that is a wrap. <laughs> Woo!